All right. Well, as that passage was read earlier in Mark, it coincides with some of the passage that we're going to be reading over today. I decided to strictly focus on uh, the passage of Matthew 25 and start to review some of the parables as I go along and I teach different things. Um, Some people would say, why the parables? And I think that the parables actually reinforce the commandments and the statutes. The parables also speak of characteristics that we should look for. If we don't look to the Torah and the commandments and the statutes as our guidelines to life, then why would you look at the parables? But if you look at the Torah and the Ten Commandments, it gives us that structure in which we are to live because we know today, in today's standards, anything goes. So the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 say, You shall have no other gods before you. You shall not make any graven images. You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. And you shall not covet. These are great guidelines to live by. These are something that we should be Following in our daily lives, the structure of it. That's why I want to look at the parables. Because I think within the parables, it gives us characteristics. And as I said, it also reinforces the guidelines of His statutes and His commandments. In which He said, not a jot or tittle would go away before heaven and earth passes away in Matthew 5. Now, this is in my realm of things. When we talk about characteristics, being a behavioral specialist, a therapist in the mental health field, and many, many people would say that changing a characteristic, a trait that is passed on through generation to generation, can be one of the most difficult things, and I would agree. I would actually say it is the most difficult thing is to change a behavior that you have as a pattern in your life. But in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. A lot of times that is taken out of context. But when we're striving for the glory of God and His words to structure our lives in such a way, I think and I believe that that scripture is what it's talking about. So, we are to structure our life according to what the Torah commands of us, but let's take a look at the parables and let's break down some of these that we're going to talk about today. Um, it says in Matthew 5.16, if we don't think that some of these structures are given even in the, the Gospels, Christ reinforces when he says in Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not a parable. It's another way in which we should be living out our life. In Galatians 5, according to Paul, it says, Bear the fruit of the Spirit, for the Spirit of 
The Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. Again, another structure that we should be striving to live by. I think, especially in this place and amongst our family here at the Disciple Center, we have the... We have the Torah and the guidelines of the statutes and the commandments, and we're trying to follow them. I think we're doing really well at that. That's why I want to take a look at the parables. Again, when we break down the parables and look a little bit closer, maybe we can glean some different things. Something that I've been trying to do over the past few years is following the structure of what it says in Psalms. And say, La, sit there, think about it, dwell on his words. I know um, some of the characteristics that I've struggled with, even in my own personal life, was whenever I used to get sick as a child, I would see some people like play it up. You know, as a kid, you watch other little kids at school and they, you know, they're not really sick. But they know how to play off being sick and they get to go home. Well, when I got to go home, my parents actually sent me straight to bed. I didn't get TV or any of that. So I learned that that didn't work for me. So I didn't continue on in that characteristics. But I have seen as an adult how some adults actually continue that on. And they play up being sick and they don't show up for work quite often. But I have learned also being here at the Disciple Center, I have watched Bruce walk in time in and time out. And he's not feeling well. And I've learned to continue on doing what I need to do in my obligations because I have watched somebody else do it. So that is something that I, I struggled with, I saw as a child, but I have learned to control and I've ingrained that in my character. You won't see me calling in to sit calling in sick to work that often. Let's look at the character in Matthew twenty five, one through thirteen, as we read through this. It says Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who take their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So they're all going together. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil. For our lamps are going out. But the prudent answer, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. If you sit there and think about it, there is a characteristic in this 
that we don't want to be, and that's called foolish or being prepared. In some translations, it talks about the, the ones who were prepared and the ones that were unprepared. I asked Kara yesterday as we were, I was talking to her, or a few days ago, I said, hey, let's read this and tell me your first thoughts. And so her first thoughts were some of my first thoughts and what I had heard from the pulpit several, several times. Those are about the Christians that don't really do anything and those who are actually going out and striving for God's glory. And I said, I agree with you. I think that is exactly what it's saying. And then sometimes, let me preface this next piece. Sometimes she'll say, I think you overthink stuff. Okay. And I said, okay, so if, if this is about that, can it also be about a characteristic of being ready? Striving to build a character from within us? I mean, Jesus uses this parable for a reason. And then I started to think about it. And I said, is there any scripture anywhere that says, don't worry about it, don't toil, don't, don't get prepared? And I couldn't come up with one. So I started to break this down. And not being prepared, a lot of times I do believe that it's just life. And of course, I bring something to talk about or show you guys. And I think a lot of times we want to be prepared. But we just have life going on. And what I mean by that, we are one person. We can only do so much. So we have our family, which is a major part of our life. And then we have some work, which is another big part of our life. And then we have extracurricular activities which is another part of our life. And then we have friends that want to hang out, which is great. And then we have our, I like this, a little holla, right? We have our religious aspect. And we try to come to church and do what we can. And then we add a little bit more. Maybe we like to go play softball. Wait, hold on. I can't fit that anywhere, so I need to move something over. Okay, there we go. We got it all on the plate. But then work says, hey, I need to actually add a little bit more. We'll pay you a little bit more, a little bit of overtime. And we keep trying to add. And then we say, you know what? It's just not going to work. I'll just put this over here. And then we're trying to... Let's say this is a pretty big piece and this is supposed to be God. What, where am I going to put him? Everything's falling off. You see how it builds up? It's just life. But God says, focus on me. And we really need to reorganize or take some things off and prioritize what he wants us to prioritize on. Are we just overloading ourselves? Is that really what's going on in our personal lives? We have too much on our plate. 
Because we're only one person. And I know whenever you add children to it, you add a whole bunch to that plate. But are we staying focused on what God wants us to be focused on? Are we trimming the wicks? Are we carrying the extra oil that is going to be needed? Because it says that the master delayed. There was a delay. And I noticed in some of the commentaries, they talk about that delay actually being why they ran out of oil. But are we preparing in the right way? Are we preparing our children? Are we teaching them to actually not be ready, not be on the lookout? So again, that characteristic comes up for me when I was looking at this. Then there's also some people that just don't prepare. They wait for the last minute. They may be always running late. They don't take others into account at all. They figure, you know what? Somebody else will be there and they'll help us along. Is that really what God's saying that Jesus is using in this parable? Is that a characteristic? I don't see it there. He's always saying, be on the lookout to help others. I'm going to share an example with you of how to work with those type of people. The, the second type of person, if they have too much on their plate, maybe we just need to be their friend and help them re-examine what life's about, what their focus needs to be on. That's about friendship and helping them. But the other that just doesn't take others into account is always late. They figure others will take care of the situation. I've had to, How many of us have had those type of people in our life? By a show of hands. How many have struggled with that type of person? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you are that type of person. But, for me, I've learned how to deal with those type of people. They don't like it when they find out my secret. Because when I have a party or I have something that I need them to get to, and there's a lot of other people, let's say it's at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I will specifically tell that person it's at 2. Especially if they're always 30 minutes late. Now, how many of you know other people that are on the other side of things and it's at 3 o'clock, but they always show up 15 minutes early? How many of you are those people? I am. Kara does not like that, by the way. She says, we're always there earlier than almost anybody. And I say, yes, because I want to be able to help others. As a parent, that is a big struggle. I know. I struggled. Kara struggled with that when we first had Rebecca. And I said, we just have to get up earlier and get there earlier. That is something that every family goes through. I understand. But what is God teaching us in this parable to to not and procrastinate or to move forward and prepare for what we need to do. So again, I think the first person that I talked about that has too much on their plate, we can actually help them. The second person, you may want to go a little bit deeper and have more discussions. But if they're not of the faith, then that's just the way they live. Then you may have to work and figure out how to work with in their parameters. Like I said, you learn to... Give them a different schedule than what you give other people. <clears throat> Let's 
Let's talk about those two characteristics in here. The prudent, the prepared person. What happens whenever you're actually prepared? Well, your anxiety decreases. Uh, it, It can even go away. You can feel prepared when that time comes. You can actually be excited when whatever event is you're coming up with. How is this accomplished? And this is a piece where I've helped many, many families, especially moms with with children, when they weren't using calendars. The first thing I went to was a 99-cent store, and I got them a calendar. I said, we got to organize this because they were going day by day. So we organize things. We prepare. We put small tasks. We teach our children in first and second grade and on up. If you have a big project, you need to break it down to smaller categories to reach the ultimate goal of getting that assignment done. The same thing we have to do in preparing and being prudent. Break down the tasks to be done. And not only that, we have to continue to stay humble. Because if there's too much for that one person to do, like this here, if there's a task to get done... I may have to call on Darissa or Bill and say, hey, I can't do this all. Can you help me? I need to reorganize this here. And then everything's manageable, especially if I take some things out. So we have to be willing to ask others for help before that day. The opposite. What happens when you're not prepared? Your anxiety increases, you run around at the last minute like your head cut off like a chicken, you get lack of sleep, your body begins to break down, and finally, you become unreliable to others who you're around if you constantly live in that type of lifestyle. I don't want any of us coming in late when the bridegroom finally comes and we hear that sound. We all need to be prepared. We all need to be ready. And I do think this talks about you know people that do live their lives and say, you know what, I'll make that final decision whenever I'm getting older. And we don't know if that final decision is going to stop for us because we're in a car accident. Uh, some people just say, I'll, I'll decide to live my life for Christ when, that, when I get older. Again, going back to the first original that I talked about. Yes, again, this parable is talking about that, but I think there's that characteristic that we can gain from this parable. And yes, it's a little ironic that this teaching is happening today, in which we turned our clocks back an hour. And we gained that extra time. Yet some people will not see it as a time to catch up or what can be accomplished, but others use this time to get ahead. Or perhaps, if they have this positive characteristic, they were able to take an extra time and sit quietly and listen to God or read His Word. Which one would you rather strive to be? 
I think this parable gives us the direction in which to strive toward, even if we struggle with that characteristic. We strive towards the glory of God. We strive towards the character of what God teaches us. This is what I have learned in Selah of this parable. And I look forward to hearing other perspectives after we pray. Let's pray together now.